When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson. On the hump day edition of The Yard, it's going to be a difficult episode, to say the least. We might laugh a little bit. We might cry a little bit. We'll see. We're just going to let it go. There are a few things I want to talk about before we really get started in all of that. We have seen the absolute best of people in the last three days. The absolute best of people. You know, sometimes I think social media is the bane of my existence. There are so many people out there that, you know, because they have anonymity, they think they can say whatever they want to. And a lot of people say, hey, uh, Steve, you should support that. Well, I don't. I don't because a lot of people are cowards. They don't use their real names. They don't put their own picture up there. And we say, well, you know, Steve, people want anonymity. Well, I mean, what is it you're saying that you're so ashamed of? There's no character in any of that. I know many people use an alias to avoid the uh, cancel culture that is a a big part of our society these days. But uh, it's one thing to protect yourself. It's another thing uh, to hide your identity and then spew vitriol and bitterness at other people. But we have seen the best of social media these last three days. Since the news broke that Mike Leach was gravely ill and ultimately passed away, the outpouring of support is unprecedented. I have never seen anything like it, ever, in my life. And not just people you know, supporting me, but people supporting you and Mississippi State and Mike Leach family. It has been a very beautiful thing to see. And for all of you that have messaged me, offering your support, thank you from the bottom of my heart. I absolutely appreciate it. I am quick to deflect a lot of that support to the Leach family and to the coaches and people uh, you know, closely connected with him. Yes, he was my friend. And as I shared with you guys on the last show, I'll be honest with you, I lost objectivity when it came to Mike Leach because he's Mike Leach. Who wouldn't want to be friends with Mike Leach? And what we've seen on social media was so healing yesterday. All the great stories, not just Toby Keith, Matthew McConaughey, and people like that, not coaches around the country. I I do enjoy reading all that. It's the random John Q. rank-and-file people that have had these extraordinary experiences with Mike Leach and then felt the need to share them. It's been very healing. I am a person that heals through talking. My wife is much different. You know, she's the kind of person that likes to retreat a little bit and then kind of wrap her heart and mind around whatever she's dealing with. I am the kind of person that wants to perform an autopsy. I want to talk about it, talk about it, talk about it, talk about it, until I begin to feel better, which makes for good podcasting, I guess. And I know some friends of mine probably get sick of hearing from me when I'm dealing with something. It's a lot of it. It's, it's a big handful being Steve Robertson's friend, I can assure you, it's not always a tidy undertaking. It's not all rock shows and book signings. You know, sometimes it's tough. 
And it's been very difficult navigating through my own grief with my wife 17 hours away. Very, very, very difficult. I have been, you know, maybe one negative thought away from just getting in the car and driving to Mexico. And I may do that. I might do that here in the coming days. I'm supposed to see her in two weeks as we get ready for our trip to the Bahamas. I'm excited about that, but I don't know if I can wait. You know, sometimes you've just got that person in life, and I pray you have that person that you just want to lay down next to them and go to sleep just knowing that things will be a little bit better when you wake up. may not be totally better. may not even be a good day. may just be a mediocre day. Maybe even be a slightly bad day, but there's just there are those people in life that just having them close to you makes you feel better. And so I hope that you have that kind of person in your life. I mean, for years, you know, when life was falling down around me, I'd call my my grandmother, my mamma Selman. I'd call her, and she'd listen and she'd listen and she'd listen and you know she like like grandmothers do. It's like, oh, Steve, I'm so sorry. And she'd always say, baby, it's gonna be all right. And I'm telling you now, on behalf of my grandmother, who is uh, now in heaven, it's all going to be okay. Baby, it's all going to be okay. It is. Maybe not today. Maybe not tomorrow. Maybe not a month from now. Maybe not even a year from now. It's all going to be okay. Now, probably the only negative thing I'm going to say today on the show, and you never know, I might go on a classic Robertson rant. I have noticed a handful of people. I I would say, and and this is not an exaggeration, I have probably received about 500 messages similar to the one that I'm about to read you. And I I would read them all, but at some point it would get kind of boring listening to all that. But I got a, a comment yesterday, comments, messages, everything. There's been all kinds of stuff. And uh, this is from William Douglas Harden. He says, we are very blessed to have Steve to inform us and to inspire us to make the best and most of life. Not the same, but in general, Steve is cut from the same pattern as our wonderful Coach Mike. Both walk through life to their own rhythm in the process, uh, and in the process help us to walk a little taller, with a little more compassion for those we encounter each day. Steve is another of those in this world I've never met, but with whom I feel a kinship. God bless and keep you and Dana, Steve. It's a wonderful message, and I, again, I would read them all, but uh, I don't know that we'd have enough time. Again, no less than 500 of those, either direct messages or text messages or emails. It's been remarkable. And then there are a couple people. I would say three people. It was some guy on Twitter. I think he made a Twitter account just to troll me, blocked him. I, I've, I used to just mute people because I didn't want them to have the satisfaction of knowing that I blocked them. And I finally decided people like that don't deserve access to me. Someone block them. Not only do I not want to read what you have to say, I don't want you to read what I have to say. There was another guy that made a comment. I basically posted a summary of events on Facebook. And he made the comment, oh, you're making it all about yourself. Well, number one, no, I'm not. Number two, you're not a person that assigns motive to me. And number three, you know, you can go out there in that yard and, and find some dog turds and eat them for all I care. So I removed his comment and unfriended him. I've just got no time in life for that kind of seriousness. And had another this other clown uh, message me and basically threatened me for how I've handled all this. And so I, 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 I speak on that just because I think it's important to understand that 
Uh, it's not all peaches and cream. There are some miserable people out there that want to make you uncomfortable too. And I know everybody deals with grief a little bit differently, but uh, lashing out at each other is never the answer. Never. I saw a Twitter thread earlier today, and if, if, I'm, if I'm referencing you and I step on your toes, I hope it hurts like absolute hell, and I hope your feet swell to the point that you can't even put your dadgum shoes on. Robbie Falk is my friend and colleague. Robbie occasionally does a little YouTube Q&A thing. I used to do a bunch of Facebook Live stuff. I need to get back to that, especially now. But I'm afraid I'd cry on camera right now. But Robbie did a YouTube thing just so we all could talk about it. And maybe you don't heal that way, but many others do. And then Robbie gets criticized for that. It's like, oh, you guys are just trying to cash in. Let me tell you this. Robbie makes zero dollars and zero cents on doing that YouTube thing. He's just trying to help people come to grips with all of this. And then he gets criticized for that. That's wrong. You're out of line, sir. And again, it's somebody with a fake name and picture or whatever. You know, you don't want people to know who you are. You're a coward. I'll say, I would say it to your face in front of your mother next to your wife and kids. You are a coward. You are an absolute coward. People are trying to find a sense of peace. People are trying to understand what is absolutely unexplainable. People are dealing with this the best way they can. And people don't need to be criticized for it. Now, are there some people out there that are trying to profit off all this? Yeah, probably. You know, when I wrote the article, my, my friend, the pirate, I didn't even monetize the article. Every article that we have written this week in reference to Mike Leach, we have made free. I didn't even put a monetized video on the article because I wanted that picture of me and Mike to be the, the endearing image. It's my friend. Didn't put a link in there on how to subscribe. Didn't push any promotional content. Didn't ask you for any money. I just wrote an article honoring my friend. And then this clown gets on Twitter and says, oh, you're just trying to get clicks. Guys, we are just trying to help people heal. As simple as that. We're in the media. We have a responsibility to cover the story. We're going to cover the story. And just so you guys know, Monday, the most listened to Boneyard podcast in the history of this show. And it's not close. And to put that in perspective, it had over double the listens as the National Championship College World Series show did. I've heard from fans from all over the country that say, Steve, I listened to the podcast. I was blown away. It means a lot to me. It does. People say, but Steve, there's ads in the show. Well, yeah, there are. And a lot of those I don't have any say in. Kind of like when I write an article on 247 Sports, there is a template that I have no control over. And yes, they're going to put ads in the article. Anything I can do about that. I, I signed a contract with these people to host my show. They're going to put ads in it. That's just how it is. That's how life works. You watch network TV, they're going to run commercials. These other people have bills to pay too. And so I say that to kind of maybe explain and defend. And it's like, when it happens to me, I just kind of let it roll off a duck's back. But when I saw that with Robbie today, I think it happened yesterday. I just saw it today. A little bit distracted yesterday. It just really chops my hide. 
that Robbie's out here just trying to do something positive and give people an opportunity to interact together and to try to get through this. And he doesn't deserve to be criticized. And if this wasn't a family show, I'd use some more colorful language. You're a coward, dude. I mean, you are an absolute coward. An absolute coward. You're a bad person. You are. If that tweet and that line of thinking is indicative of who you are as a person, I'm glad I don't know you. All right, moving on. I got to get something to eat here soon. I'm thinking, I'm thinking Bulldog Burger Company, too. I'm thinking Bulldog Burger Company because I, I need some nourishment, man. I hadn't ate much. I hadn't slept much. I need to find something that I know that I'm going to enjoy. And it's Bulldog Burger Company. I love going in there. I love the variety of the menu. I love those chicken wings. That's kind of a sneaky good item on the menu that nobody really talks about. I lived a lot in South Louisiana. I like things a little spicier than most think my palate might be a little more refined. I like it hot. I do. Like it all hot. So I like getting those chicken wings. I encourage you maybe maybe next time you're in there, maybe think about getting that as your entree. That's what I do sometimes. I'll get the spring rolls as an appetizer. Hey, just bring you know bring me uh, bring me a you know a coop of chickens and I'll eat off eat what I want. The rest I'll just take home. You know, I enjoy it. The good portions are very well well seasoned. The ranch dressing, outstanding. But, you know, the, the main reason you go to Bulldog Burger Company is to get that great restaurant-quality hamburger. Not a better place than Snack of the Woods to go eat a great hamburger. Bulldog Burger Company now with three great locations to serve you and the menu, the same. You can have the Bryant, the Lauren, the Pimentology, add bacon. That'll put some hair on your chest. The Mission, the Smokehouse. That's the Brian Haydad favorite, the Smokehouse. And get the uh, chocolate shake to go. I'm a big proponent of dessert to go. I like a palate cleanser. I, it's just, I didn't ask that. I didn't choose that in life. But after I have a meal, even if I'm full, I have to have a little something. Just a little something to kind of make, uh, you know, maybe a little, get a little sweetness. You know. It's my weakness. Bulldog Burger Company, the place for people to go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, let's talk a little bit about kind of what's happened let me frame this up for you. We're not going to get into a lot of details. A lot of stuff's not for public consumption. And that's one thing that's been difficult this week is kind of weighing people's right to know is maybe wrong. Maybe that's the right sentiment but the wrong phrasing. You know, you are, in, you are shareholders in Mississippi State football, and so you feel like you need to kind of know what's happening. And so, yeah, you, there are some things you deserve to know because you love Mississippi State. But not everything is made for public consumption. Not all the details matter. And there are some people that, like, like I deleted a thread on jeanspage.com today. And so if you're the author of that thread and you want to know why it got deleted, it was me. And I just thought it was in poor taste. Well, now, you know, now that it's over, what really happened? Well, it doesn't matter. It's not your business. It's not. It wasn't a crime committed. And at the end of the day, you know, somebody else is passing, you know, the details behind that is really not anybody's business. You know, one of the things that we tried to do at jeanspage.com is kind of let you know the severity of the situation without getting into too much detail. We tried to have some class and dignity with all this stuff. And at the same time, fill your need for information. It's a very delicate balancing act. It is. And, yeah, there are a lot of things that I was told and things that I believe that I didn't share. Because it's not important. 
at the end of the day, it's not important that stuff get out there. There's just some things that, uh, and I, I read some articles. You know, there was some people in the beginning that, that some reporters shared some things that were completely inaccurate, completely inaccurate, and there's no accountability for any of that. They can just go say whatever they want to say, and that's the end of it. And there are some other people to put some things out there. I mean, goodness, for, for two days, we, we had to kind of beat back rumors of, well, I understand coaches already passed. And I, I had one, one guy, I won't tell you which reporter it is because he's not a journalist. I had one, one reporter said, hey, I understand Mike Leach has passed away. Can you confirm? And I was like, that's not the information that I have. In fact, I just spoke to somebody that said that um, Sharon Leach said he was resting comfortably and he's in stable condition. It's a very serious situation. I guess unless something's changed in the last 15, 20 minutes, no, nah, it's not correct. Well, I've got a good source on it. I said, so why are you calling me? Well, what do you mean? I said, if you feel so good about your source, go write your story. You're calling me because you don't know that you have a source. You're calling me because you want to go write a story. You're probably just trying to get ahead of the game. Well, I was calling you to confirm. We'll call it a university. I'm not confirming anything. It's not the information that I have. And then the next thing I know, it's on Twitter, and all these people are texting me. Steve, I got this text and this email, and I saw on Twitter. It's so unfair, man. It's unfair. We all had a good idea where this thing was heading. We were hoping against hope, hoping he would pull through. He didn't. But it's just disgusting how some people handled this. Let's jump out here. Well, I understand he's passed away. Well, and then he hadn't. He's still fighting for his life. And I'm sure his family wasn't on social media. They were probably attending to each other, as they should. But it's just so disrespectful, man. It is. You know, it's like, I didn't want to be right about any of this stuff. I wanted Mike Leach to make it. Wanted Mike Leach to be our football coach back on the sidelines. Let's go to a tackle an eight-game home schedule next year and chance to win ten games. That's what I wanted. And I understand that's selfish. I certainly didn't want to have to write a story about Mike passing away. It's one of the reasons that I asked David Murray to write it. Because I didn't want to. I didn't want that memory. I didn't want to have to sit there and cry on my keyboard as I wrote a story about my friend passing away. And yes, I have written some stories since then. And I've tried to make them more fond remembrances. I just didn't want to write about Mike passing away. So I was like, Dave, why don't you write this story? We were prepared. We knew what was happening. And as difficult as Sunday was, Monday was even worse. You know, more details began to emerge. I laid my head on a pillow Monday night knowing that my friend was gone. And there are many of you that would say, well, Steve, why didn't you report it? Out of respect for the family. We were already made aware of the fact they were going to be releasing a statement the next morning. It's their news to break. It's their loved one. And as much as we all love Mike and feel some level of attachment to him, that's his family. That's their role in this process. And you have to respect that. And not just go put out some tweet. I mean, it's just like I could tweet out right now. The sun's going to rise tomorrow. And then the next day say, hey, look, hey, I was right. And that's how this whole thing looked. But I laid my head on the pillow Monday night knowing what Tuesday was going to look like and how difficult it was going to be for all of us and that how our focus then had to turn to, you know, you begin to focus on the living. You focus on 
Sharon and Janine and the rest of the family. And you focus on the coaches, guys like Mason Miller, guys like Darcel McBath that have spent just about their entire adult lives with Mike Leach at the top of the table, the guy blowing the big whistle. You began to think about them and what they're dealing with. Because as close as we all feel to coach, and many of you have said, you know what, Steve, I just feel this incredible attachment to coach. I never even met him. And I think that's a wonderful tribute to the person that Mike Leach was. He was the kind of guy that pulled you in. And as I said yesterday on Vine Bomb, and I was happy to do that in the past, I've, I've not been agreeable to do that show. I feel like I owed it to coach. I feel like it was the right thing to do. But the thing Mike Leach probably did better than any person that I've ever known is he never made anybody feel inferior. Ever. Now, now he may go out there and, and just tear your tail apart on a football field. But he never made anybody who approached him feel like they were bothering him or they were, they were a waste of his time. Ever. And my experience with him was not unique. You can see out there on social media how many people like, hey, you know, I met Mike Leach at a restaurant one day when I was on vacation. He ended up buying our meal. Or I saw Mike Leach walking one day and offered him a ride, and he ended up sitting in my car for an hour, and just we talked about all kinds of stuff. You know, it's like he always had time for you. And when he didn't have time for people talk about, oh, he's from Key West, it's going to be such a weird fit. It was a perfect fit. Mike Leach was probably the most perfect fit as a football coach we've ever had. Because Mike is just like us. Mike's a guy from Cody, Wyoming, that grew up in a lower middle class family. They, they weren't people of privilege. His parents had to work for everything they had. He dreamed of playing college football at BYU one day. It didn't work out. But Mike Leach never thought he was better than anybody else. There's part of him, I'm sure he thought maybe he was a better coach, but he never thought he was a better person. I can't count the times that we would be in conversation and somebody would walk up. Sometimes it would be, you know, a fat cat donor. Sometimes it would just be a fan wearing maroon. There are other times, we were at the SEAL complex one day, and this guy walked up with this big grin on his face, and he was just kind of waiting for Coach to look at him. And I said, hey, Coach, I think the guy's got a question for you. He goes, hey, buddy, what's going on? Hey, Bubba. And you say, hey, everybody was Bubba. Hey, Bubba, what's going on? He goes, Coach, do you mind if I get a picture so I can show my family? And Coach is like, of course, of course, come on in here. And he sat there, and the, the camera wouldn't work or whatever, and it kind of – it kind of drug on for a bit. Coach sat there the, the all time with his arm around the guy, smiling, just waiting for the picture to be taken. And then after it was over with, he's like, hey, what do you guys do around here? And, you know, it just so happens it was one of the guys that was uh, working, doing some cleanup on campus. And Mike sat there and talked to him like, uh, you know, that he was Richard Ackerson or something. He spent a lot of time with that guy. It's impressive, man. And I began to think, you know, what lessons can I learn from Mike Leach? And I've learned many you know, in the, what, three years that we've been together? That's probably the most endearing one, is that every person has value and is worthy of your respect. He never kept people at arm's length. Never. I can't count how many times I would text him and say, hey, coach, I uh, need to talk to you about this. He talked to you about that, and he'd just call immediately. He wouldn't text me back. Other times he'd say, hey, I'll be available at this time or whatever. I'll call you then, or you can call me then, whatever. But he never blew me off. 
And again, my experience is not unique. It didn't blow you off either. You just didn't have his number. But if you ever interacted with Mike Leach, I know you walked away with a positive feeling about the experience because it was important to him how he was viewed in the right way. He wasn't obsessed to the point that he was on Twitter searching his name to hear what people were saying about him. He did not want you to walk away from him having a negative opinion of him because he understood that he was representing something bigger than himself, and that was Mississippi State. He was Mississippi State's football coach. And everybody's got these goofy pictures. You know, a lot of people went to the Neshoba County Fair, and he went, and he was late. They could barely get him out of the fair because he wanted to interact with all of you. He got to know so many of you. He was amazed by the fair and you know, the pageantry of all of that and seeing everybody having a good time. And here's something that I bet you don't know, and I shared this on the show earlier. When Mike Leach retired, he planned to keep his place here. Number one, he loved his house here. He did loved it. His house butts up against a lake. He'd go swim in that lake. He loved his place here. And the plan was, after he retired, was to stay here, between here and Key West. They loved the community here. Loved the people here. Because it mirrored kind of what he grew up with. People that have a quiet dignity about themselves. People that believe in hard work. People that believe in family. People that believe in community. They loved it here. Mike absolutely loved Starkville. And that's not just lip service. I mean, you know, like there's times we've had coaches get up there and they talk about Starkville. And listen, Starkville is not for everybody. It's not. It is for, it's for me. And maybe it's for you. I love it here. I do. You know, I wish we had a raise in Canes and maybe a place that you could go buy a decent shirt without paying too much for it, you know. But, uh, but I love it here. It's home. And I think in many respects it was home for Mike Leach. He talked about that before. He goes, after I retire, I'm going to keep my place here. Love my place. And how many times have you seen, you know, the stories, like when Nick Saban was at OSU, you know, some, some of the guys on staff went to church with me. They'd rarely make it to church. <laughs> Sometimes you'd see them at a Sunday night service or whatever. You'd see their wives and kids all the time. Those guys had to work all the time. One of our friends, she used to take lunch to her husband once or twice a week, just so she could see him. She loved her husband, wanted to spend time with him, wanted to make his life easier. She knew that he was working towards a, you know, a greater life for them, and that's the sacrifices they had to make. Mike Leach was completely different, completely different. And maybe not as successful as Nick Saban, but I think at the end of the day, I don't think that Mike Leach would trade the life that he allowed his coaches to lead for an NFL championship. I don't think he would. You know, people talk and some people complained about Mike being late for the Monday presser or whatever. I, you know, it didn't really bother me the way it did some other people. And maybe it's because I had a relationship with him. But the reality of it is, is that, you know, I kind of knew going up there. You know, Leach was a bit of a night owl, so he'd sleep late. The coaches, you know, they'd have a, a meeting or whatever, but uh, the meeting, I think, was at 10. You know, there just wasn't a lot. He, he didn't push those guys to the point of breaking. I've had several assistant coaches have told me over the last three years that, like, if, if Leach ever found out that you were skipping a family function for something, he'd be upset. Now, of course, you know, we got practice. We got we to be practice. You got to be present for that kind of stuff. You know, we got staff meetings. 
But if your kid was playing in a ball game and it wasn't a conflict with a, a, its integral part of the schedule, Mike wanted you to go. He wanted you to go and be with your family. He wanted you to take vacations when you took breaks. He wanted you to get out of the office. He, he wasn't this workaholic like some other people are. Guy won a lot of football games doing it that way. And that's one of the reasons I think you'll see that his staff has been so loyal to him is because he didn't just treat them as coaches. He treated them as men, as fathers, and in some situations, mothers. He treated them with dignity. He treated them as people that he understood they had other obligations. I heard him say it many times. Coaching is what I do. It's not who I am. One of the bigger lessons I've learned from him in many respects. Because I, you know, I work exceptionally hard. There are a lot of times that I look up and I wonder sometimes how I get it all done in a day. And then I look around and realize, you know, hey, I need to go sweep. wonder what the kid's doing, you know. I don't always have a lot of balance in life, and that's what I think Mike was able to do really better than anybody that I know, not just balance work and family, but he had personal goals. He had a quest for personal knowledge. He read a lot of books. He set aside time to read. He'd stay up late at night when the house was quiet. He'd watch documentaries about history and about war, about how things are made. He would see places he wanted to travel to, and he'd write them down, and then when he did get a break, he would good places like the United Arab Emirates or Croatia. And he used to always tell me, you got to go to Wyoming. Oh, it's outstanding. That was his big phrase. Oh, it's outstanding. You need to go do this. You need to go do that. And so we're going to do a different top 10 list today. And uh, no music today. And I think you're going to appreciate this. So and a lot of it's going to be some things that I think are important for you and Mike Leach. Getting a lot of questions about the memorial service, and I understand they're kind of meeting today, and everything, of course, is in connection with the family, what the family wants, how they want to handle it. So I understand it's probably going to happen next week. Could be early in the week. Don't know any details yet. A lot of people have said, Steve, what can we do? What can we do? We want to be there. We want to support Coach. I thought the earliest we could do it is Friday because, you know, we have a basketball game at the hump on Saturday. I just don't know if that's enough time because you want to give people an opportunity to get here because, again, it's Mike Leach. But I suspect it'll be next week. But uh, I think you'll begin to see some details kind of emerge today, maybe latest tomorrow, because I know many of you want to come and pay your respects to Coach and also to be able to love on the Leach family. And that's an important aspect of this too. They're part of the Bulldog family too. It wasn't just Mike. And while Sharon Leach uh, kind of flew under the radar a little bit, She's lost a love of her life. You know, the wagon, she hitched her wagon, uh, you know, to Mike Leach and went a lot of wild rides, went a lot of wild rides, a lot of wild places. And so we've got a love on her too. And again, I say our loss is significant. It is. It's varying degrees of significance. But what we're feeling pales in comparison to what the family's feeling. As I shared on Monday's show, and many of you have reacted very positively, none of us are guaranteed that bedside conversation on our final day. Nobody is guaranteed the opportunity to look around the room and tell each person how much they love them. So do that today, because you may not be afforded that opportunity later. I'm not trying to be dramatic here, but after, after what we have witnessed this week, Mike Leach had a great day on Saturday, had a great night, went home, the next thing you know, he was uh, 
face an eternity. That's not how any of us draw it up. You know, we think, oh, well, you know, there'll be this long lingering illness or whatever, and I'll get a chance to you know, make things right with God and make things right with friends. And you're just not guaranteed that. We're not. Yeah, I wrote it in a poem years ago. I say a year ago, maybe a year ago. You know, don't give me in death what you denied me in life. And that's how I feel about this, too. It's like, you know, I was very fortunate when my dad died to be there with him. And the last thing he ever said is he looked around the room and his wife Dolores was there and all of their children were there. And he said the last thing he ever said, he didn't talk for two days, two, three days at the end. I remember we watched the Florida-Mississippi State game. And as soon as the game was over, after we lost, he said, I'm ready to go. He didn't speak again until just before he died. He looked around the room and he said, I love all of y'all. What a lasting memory that I have. My dad told me he loved me twice in my life. The day that I went to rehab and the day that he died. And those are the two days I needed to hear that the most. I'm not in any way trying to suggest my dad was an absentee father or unemotional or anything like that. It just wasn't his way. But we had a beautiful moment there at the end. Mike Leach and his family were not provided that opportunity. I'm sure there was some wonderful stories and some, some tearful commentary, but Mike was not a part of that. And so I encourage you again, get things right in your life. You don't want to die with any bitterness or resentment or any unresolved issues. There are going to be so many people when you pass away, kind of left behind, they're going to say, you know what? I wish I had talked about this. I wish I had told him or her this. I wish I would have told them how much they meant to me. Yeah, I made a post on Facebook yesterday. I'm not going to read it to you guys. Because all, yeah, it's our, I'm already kind of tender, you know, with Dana being out in New Mexico and me being here and then having to deal with all of this stuff. And then beginning to realize that I've told her I've loved her millions of times. And that's probably not an exaggeration. I probably tell her, like, I, I end every text conversation with I love you. Every single one. I get emotional thinking about that. Because I think to myself, <clears throat> if... <clears throat> If it's the last message I ever send, that's what I want her to know. <clears throat> and so I'm going to live my life that way. You know, this whole thing has really, in, in many respects, kind of forced me to take an even deeper personal inventory. I'm going to say I love you a lot more. I'm going to forgive a lot easier. I'm going to offer forgiveness as, as often as I ask for it. Because, again, we're not guaranteed the big ceremony at the end, the big, oh, I've always loved you, and I'm sorry about everything. You're not, you're not guaranteed that. Let's make amends now while we have the opportunity. Let's tell each other we love each other. We get so caught up sometimes, you know, leading this accidental life, thinking it's going to last forever. It's not. Life is short. Death is certain. Love and live wide open. Our time for today's top 10 list brought to you as always by CloseWithBlair.com. Blair Chandler is my friend, your friend, a friend in the mortgage industry. It's a very complicated process. It's good to have an expert to kind of help you navigate through the choppy waters of underwriting. 
Blair can do that. Visit him at his website, CloseBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. His phone number, 601-500-2344. 601-500-2344. Call or text him today. Maybe it's time that you bought a house. Maybe you're thinking, you know what, I'm ready to put some roots in the ground, Steve, and I've never gone through this process. You know, Blair's got 21 years of experience in the industry. Top 1% close ratio in the country, back-to-back years, works for Fairway Mortgage. It's not some subprime lender, not some fly-by-night mortgage shop. They won't be here six months from now. It's a reputable guy doing a great job for a reputable company. Let him know you heard about him on the Boneyard. Again, at 601-500-2344, and he's going to pay for your appraisal. It's about a $500 value. How cool is that? Just by being a listener of the show, it's going to make it easier for you to get a mortgage approved by dealing with a closer and dealing with somebody that's been in the industry for more than two decades. Again, that's closedblair.com. Be sure and check it out today. All right, no music today. We didn't do a top 10 list on Monday. We're going to do a different one today. I've had a lot of people that have reached out and said, Steve, what can we do? Want to be able to do something to honor Mike Leach. So I, I have 10 things here today. 10 ways that you can honor the memory and life of Coach Mike Leach. Number 10, probably, it's probably good that we begin here. Continue to pray and support his family. Continue to pray for his coaches, his players, their families. Support them. Maybe clean up our social media commentary a little bit, right? Some of you may have some things you want to go back and delete. But at this point, that doesn't matter. That's behind us now. That's kind of the price of fandom, right? You say sometimes in the heat of the moment you don't really approve of. In hindsight, as cooler heads prevail, especially at a time like this. And listen, if there's any consolation, a friend of mine texts me, He's like, man, I feel so guilty by some of the things that I posted and tweeted about Coach Leach. You probably feel better knowing that he didn't read it. And he also didn't care about it. He understood that was the price of the job. You're going to have critics. Now, some of his assistant coaches probably did. And I'm, I think it's great that you feel guilty about that. But I can, I can have relative assurance by telling you Mike Leach's life was not in any way impeded are impacted by your negative social media commentary. But right now, we need to be a united family and honor his memory and support these other people. And uh, I spoke to trade, I hadn't spoke with many people because I haven't really felt like talking to other people because I'm, all, I'm always one negative thought away from crying, right? One good story away from tears on the cheeks. But I've traded some text messages with Dave Emmerich. I've talked to Mason Miller. Uh, I've had some interaction with some other staffers. Matter of fact, I went last night to the Starville Quarterback Club, and I really just wanted to be around our people and get away from this for a while and just kind of heal some. But there are a lot of people out there. It's like they begin to think about their own lives. You know, what's next? And so, like, you immediately go from pulling for leech to grieving for leech to begin to thinking about your own family. You know, we're paid through June, but what's after that? Are we going to have to pack up and move again? I mean, there's a lot to that. And so I encourage you, support those people because, again, their lives are changing. And, like, even if we make a – you know, we're going to talk about potential coaching hire later in the show. There's no guarantee there will be some attrition. There's no guarantee that everybody gets to stay or most people get to stay or anybody gets to stay. You don't know. And I understand that's the, you know, that's the life you lead as a coach. But their kids and their wife, you know, they got to deal with it too. 
Number nine, fly the Jolly Roger. Matter of fact, I have not put any bumper stickers on. I can't remember how many cars I've had in a row. I'm breaking my policy. I already went to Amazon and ordered a really cool Jolly Roger flag sticker. And uh, my Mustang, I call her Ruby. And uh, Ruby is about to get a tattoo. And I'm going to have a Jolly Roger sticker on her bumper. And I suspect for the rest of my life, I will fly the Jolly Roger on my vehicles in honor of Mike Leach. God made a tremendous impact on my life. I think it's a small thing that I can do. And I think it kind of identifies all of us among ourselves that we're still supporting the memory and legacy of Mike Leach. Number eight, uh, I'm going to suggest you buy the Mike Leach merchandise. And I don't care where you buy it from. I think you should buy it from Campus Bookmark. But there's Mike Leach merchandise out there. I've seen it. Some of our, our local vendors have like run out of the Mike's merchandise and the, the pirate flags and all that kind of stuff. I don't know if they restock, but I would encourage you to buy the Mike Leach merchandise and wear it and display it. Don't just put it up in a closet somewhere and get it out once uh, every 10 years or so when you get ready to move. You know, Honor his memory that way. Uh, number seven. Go to the RelaQuest Bowl. Go there. I don't know how the university is going to honor him. I don't know if it'll be shirts or eye patches or pirate swords or cannonballs or whatever. I have no clue. But if you're on the fence about going to the game, go to the game. There's a big pirate ship out there in the, uh, in the end zone. It's almost like it's destiny. A lot of people have mentioned that. Go to the bowl game. I'll be in the Bahamas or I'd be there with you. I'm a little bit torn. But the reality of it is I need to be with my family. My, my entire family has not been together in the same room for two years, and it's a shame. I've been real, awfully busy. Uh, that's one of the things about this personal inventory that's changing. But go to the bowl game. Number six, buy season tickets. Next year is going to be an emotional season. I'm sure the opening game will have a big uh, ceremony for Co- Coach Mike Leach probably do something to commemorate his memory at the stadium. It's going to be an eight-game home schedule. Should be a really good year for Mississippi State. My hope is that your enthusiasm for Mississippi State football has actually been enhanced through this rather than diminished. I know Mike Leach and Mississippi State would appreciate your attendance and your commitment. I read a great post on the message board just yesterday. I can't remember the gentleman's name. He goes, I'm done being a casual fan. I'm all in. I've watched games, hadn't been to many games, haven't always done it at a university, but after this and seeing all this kind of unfold, makes me proud to be a Bulldog. I'm going to make more of a commitment. I hope more people follow his lead. Number five, give to the Bulldog Initiative. And I'll be honest with you, Mike Leach was a reluctant convert to the NIL. Mike was always like, I want kids that want to be here for the right reasons. Those kids will work hard. They'll value the scholarship. They'll value the opportunity. There's some truth in all of that. But in the end, Mike Leach kind of came around and realized, you know what, hey, the game is changing. i got to change with it. He wasn't a huge proponent of it, but he understood the importance of it. So maybe if you've been on the fence about giving to the Bulldog Initiative, maybe Mike Leach, his memory, is enough to motivate you perhaps to, uh, to get more involved. And I don't care if it's 100 bucks a year. I think every Bulldog should make some level of commitment to the Bulldog Initiative. Number four, and I mentioned this on the Paul Feinbaum show yesterday, buy his books. 
I would love nothing more than next week to see the New York Times bestseller list come out and see Mike's books, both of them, on the New York Times bestseller list. Maybe you've been reluctant in the past. Maybe you don't even read. But how cool would that be in his passing that Swing Your Sword makes a return to the New York Times bestseller list? I think there are other people around the country that are probably thinking the same thing. I'm gonna, I need to get his books. And I, I kicked myself, too, because I had both of his books, and I never brought them by there to get them signed. That'll never happen. We were supposed to go up there and sign each other's books. And every time I went, I'd forget to bring them. It's tough. I got a lot of memories. You know, I guess I don't need his autograph, but I got a lot of memories. But go buy his books. Swing your sword in Geronimo. Go buy his books. Number three, a lot of people have asked me about this. I reached out to Dave Emmerich to get some information here. Uh, how can we give to Coach Leach's favorite charities? Um, well, he did not have a favorite charity. He was very, very, very um, generous in many respects, but he was also a, um, a person that kind of spread the money around a little bit, and he was a sucker for charities, you know, for kids suffering with illness. And so um, there are tons of... Um, you know, charities out there that specialize in that sort of stuff. So maybe pick one and give it Mike Leach's honor. Another idea that I had considered, too, is, you know, Mike Leach, his first coaching job was he coached a, uh, a middle school baseball team in his hometown of Cody, Wyoming. And they have a website for Cody Youth Baseball. They have an official store. They have all sort of stuff there. And so I would suggest maybe, maybe make a donation to Cody Youth Baseball. Maybe if you're a sports fan and you think, you know what, hey, I want to honor Coach and do something kind of cool that's maybe off the beaten path, you can email them at Cody at C-O-D-Y Youth Baseball at gmail.com and maybe ask them how to proceed. Say, hey, I want to donate some money to Youth Baseball in Coach Leach's hometown in his honor. I think that would be a wonderful idea. As a matter of fact, that's probably the, the avenue that I will take is I want to give some money to Cody Youth Baseball because that is where Coach Mike Leach's coaching career began. That's where he was born. That's where he spent his formative years. I think that might be the way to go. But anything to do with kids, kids with illnesses or kids playing youth baseball in Cody Wyoming, I think – you know, I don't know, maybe if we don't put a fundraiser together and maybe maybe we work with Coda Youth Baseball to do something to have Mike's name somewhere at their athletic complex. I don't know. I'm just brainstorming here. But, you know, maybe we could all work together in that respect to do something to honor Mike's legacy uh, with young people. Number two, and these next two things really don't, don't require you spending any money or not much. You don't have to buy a sticker. You don't have to buy a shirt. You don't have to buy tickets. You don't have to uh, give to the initiative. You don't have to buy a book. Prioritize your family. For like six weeks or so, that, that is just something that's been so incredibly on my heart personally. And maybe it's because I'm you know, six months away from being an empty nester. Maybe I'm having a midlife crisis. I don't know. Maybe I'm just completely miserable to know my wife's not here every day. 
You're probably tired of hearing about that, but until she gets back, it's a it's an issue, right? Um, and I've learned too, no amount of money gets worth being away from your wife as much as I have been. I'll just tell you that. It just off the cuff. Um, but prioritize your family. We talked about Mike Leach encouraging his assistant coaches and his staffers to be able to be involved in their, their kids' lives and kind of affording them the opportunities to do that. Put your family first. I am a person, I've been a workaholic, and, when, and people talk about trading addictions. When I got clean and sober, basically I threw my, my, myself into my work. I wanted to provide a good life for my family. I'm very driven. I have a tremendous amount of ambition. I also don't have a college degree. I do plan to go back once Ian graduates college and finish my college degree, if it's the last thing I ever do. One of the biggest regrets of my life. But knowing that I didn't have a college degree, I had to outwork everybody. I knew from the very beginning I couldn't be the low man on a totem pole because I wasn't educated. I had to outwork everybody. I had to be a sniper, you know, in a, in a war full of, uh, you, know, you know, trained soldiers. I had to pick my shots. And so as a result, there are times that my priorities have been out of line. And I can tell you now, you know, the kids aren't coming back. They're just not. They're not coming back. They're going to find lives of their own. They're going to begin families of their own. And I'm going to have to go see them. I'm going to have to make the effort to go see them. So prioritize your family. The number one thing on the list is live your life. And I don't just mean pay the bills and raise the kids. Go do something amazing with your life. Challenge yourself. Continue to dream. Don't just get caught up in this accidental work of day life where you're just paying bills and raising kids watching Netflix. I think one of the things I was most envious about in Mike Leach's life is all the places he had gone and the people he had met. And I've done some amazing things in my own life. But the reasons that he went to certain places, like he'd watch a documentary and just see some architecture or see some museum or something, some process, how something was made. He wanted to go see it for himself. And, of course, he had the resources to go do that, and he did it. He would just get in, go get on a plane and go. Now, you may not have the ability to do that, but maybe you've always put off and say, you know, hey, I've always wanted to run a marathon. Go do it. Maybe you start with a 5K, work up to a 10K and a half marathon, then go run the full. Maybe you've always wanted to write a book. Do it. Maybe you've always wanted to start a side business. Maybe you've always wanted to fry fish for a living. I don't know. Do it. We don't get a dress rehearsal. And I tell you, when I look back at my own life, and my wife and I have got some difficult decisions to make right now about business and that sort of stuff, and um, not in relation to any of this. I'm, I'm in the process of, uh, of potentially buying a franchise uh, to open here in Starkville and, and then have her run it. I mean, I'm not getting any younger, neither is she. And so, we, you know, we've had some conference calls, done some due diligence. Not, I'm not ready to talk about it yet. We're going to do some cool things. But every so often, she's like, oh, it's just such a commitment. I said, absolutely it is. Everything in life worth having is difficult. Everything. Everything. There is nothing in life worth having that doesn't require risk. And between the two of us, I have been the bigger risk taker. Now, some would suggest her decision to marry me was probably the biggest gamble of all time. I would submit to you, I think it's paid off really well for her. She believed in me. And now here we are, and, you know, we have built a tremendous business, and I'm, you know, I'm ready to open another one and just have her run it. It's not anything to do with sports, nothing to do with the Internet or anything of that nature. But it's what I feel like we need to do. And, um, you know, of course, she wants to do it, 
But again, she has not worked in the business world. You know, she's been a nurse. She hadn't had to make these decisions and talk to people and things like that. And it's a gamble. And so when we open this business, God hoping we do, I'm going to need your support. I need you to come out and support the business. But I'm living life. And that's the things that I think about sometimes, too, when I take an inventory. What are the negatives in my life? Okay, now that I've identified them, what can I do to fix them? What can I do to change things? A lot of it requires a lot of prayer for guidance and leadership and direction. But life is short. Death is certain. There's no point going through this thing miserable. Because so many of the changes we need to make in our life are all within our own reach. And so, yeah, we're going to push through, and uh, we're going to see about opening up this great business here in town. And uh, I'm excited to tell you all about it. I haven't paid any money yet. I haven't signed any documents yet. But, uh, you know, we've had some conference calls, and I'm excited to kind of push this thing forward. I've already reached out to a few people and, you know, going to give her a comfort level with this. But, um, you know, we're going to get it done, and hopefully sometime next year we have a new business here in Starkville. It's unlike anything else. And uh, she's so funny. She said, there are going to be people that will come try the business just because of you. And I certainly hope so. But I'll tell you, I may get the door swinging, but she's the one that's going to keep you coming back because she's amazing. And so those are the things that I think about. And all of that has been reinforced this week, you know, dealing with all of this and seeing how things ended for Coach Leach. I know that that's what he would support, not just for me, but for all of us. It's take risk. Do big things in life. Take great vacations. Pack the car. Go make memories. And not just, you know, not just the little stuff. Go do something amazing. Don't worry about the money. Worry about the memory. I want to thank Mike Leach for his positive impact on my life and how he continues, even in his death, inspiring me to be a better man, a better husband, a better father, and a better person. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart, a longtime sponsor of the show, a Starkvillian institution. I love Campus Bookmart. You should, too. If you're unfamiliar with the place, let me encourage you. Get out there and make some things happen. Next time you're in town, go by and see their smiling faces, the most extensive collection of Mississippi State merchandise in the known universe. Bully Shop has been completely renovated. It's all upstairs now, no longer in a textbook business, which has allowed them to expand their selection of Mississippi State merchandise. Many of you still have some Christmas shopping to do. There's 11 days left until Christmas. I would encourage you to frequent Campus Bookmart. Go by and see them. If not, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that gets you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. I think I, maybe I said that wrong. It's $75. I'm, it's it's stuck, stuck in the brain. Uh, let me correct that. I was thinking about the next topic. But uh, promo code BSR, free shipping on all orders, over $75. I can't go back and fix it. You know, life is uh, linear. So, again, campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR, gets you free shipping on all orders, over $75. I've been saying the other amount for so long, sometimes it gets imprinted on the brain. All right, so I, I tweeted this out earlier. We have uh, getting some reports that uh, there are some third parties acting on the behalf of other programs 
and I've not been able to substantiate this yet, but I will just tell you that I have heard it from enough people independent of each other that I believe there is some truth to this. Trying to get some of your players just over 24 hours after they had to come to grips with the fact that their coach has passed away to enter the NCAA transfer portal. Now, I'm not going to take this sitting down. If you know anything about me, you know that I like to work through stuff. And sometimes we find evidence to support wrongdoing. And we are more than happy to report that on the show, on the website, or wherever else we need to. You know, we went through all this stuff during the Ole Miss investigation. We went through this with the tampering stuff with Jerry and Jones. You know, I'm not scared to talk about it. I'm not scared to get out there and dig and talk to people and do the grunt work and do some real journalism. We can all do fast food journalism and just kind of write game previews and game recaps and that kind of stuff. It doesn't require a lot of special skill to do that. But sometimes you got to get your boots dirty. I'm not scared to do that. I'm from South Mississippi. That's what we do. And so I am aware of this. Again, I've not been able to substantiate this. I have had, again, some credible sources tell me that some players have been contacted about getting in the portal. Now, there's an element of tampering that goes along with everything, right? I mean, it's always a trainer or a mentor or a fake uncle or whatever. There's always somebody that's out there trying to gain, get some ill-gotten gain from every bit of this. There's always that. There's always somebody that will call another school and say, hey, if so-and-so goes in the portal, would you guys be interested? I can't say that I'm against that aspect of it. But when there are other people out there shopping players and saying, okay, well, hey, Mississippi State offered them X thousand dollars in NIL money, what could you do? If you can beat that, we'll get them in the portal. And there are other people out there that are saying, hey, I think I can get so-and-so to go in the portal and, again, to, to get something for themselves. And so I'm coming to you if you are aware of anything. And, again, I've got some preliminary information don't have much in the way of evidence yet, but if you hear of anything, the DMs are open. I don't mind making a phone call. I don't mind doing something that um, makes people uncomfortable. I don't. I'm at the least bit concerned about that. And I know that, you know, there are people that will come after me on Twitter for whatever that's worth. Oh, but Steve, oh, but you. Yeah, that kind of stuff that drives me crazy. Like, I should be concerned about what what they think. I don't. I don't care. I absolutely do not care. And, again, if I can get information to substantiate this, I will make them famous. Absolutely will make them famous. All right, speak of the portal, State has gotten some good news from the portal here in recent days. A couple cornerback prospects headed to campus. Radar Jones from LSU, who was suspended for the entire 2022 season. I don't know all the details behind that. He is originally from Horn Lake, Mississippi. State recruited him extensively throughout his high school career. His final two were LSU and Ole Miss. He ultimately chose LSU. Hasn't played a lot down there. Took an official visit to Mississippi State last weekend. Is now headed to Starkville for his college career. Excited about it. And then moments ago, former Miami cornerback Kamari Rogers, who redshirted this year as he rehabbed from an ACL injury. And, again, I've got some concern about that. The guy's a very talented player. He's from Holmes uh, County Central. But he's had some knee issues. But uh, from what I understand, he is now back to 100% health. 
We thought we had a chance to get him late in the process before. So now you have two Power 5 corners that have limited Power 5 playing time, but a lot of Power 5 potential, not part of your program. And Darcel McBath was the guy that kind of got beat up for a while for recruiting efforts. You know, in the beginning, you know, we, we, we recruited some guys, we committed some guys, we ultimately dropped some guys, ended up getting some guys that didn't play. But now we have completely revamped that cornerback's room. And now you've gone out and gotten two former four-star corners, again, with limited experience, now to be a part of your room. Emmanuel Forbes entering the draft. You know, Martin Emerson went in last year. I suspect the Cameron Richardson will be part of the 2023 20, uh, declarations. So I think you're going to have three consecutive years where you have an underclassman enter the draft and ultimately get drafted and signed with an NFL franchise. And so suddenly, State is beginning to sign, develop, and produce NFL prospects at corner, which makes Darcel McBath and Mississippi State an attractive destination. You say, but Steve... We're getting these commitments with all this. We don't even know who the head coach is going to be. Well, I think there's a, there's a couple reasons why. Number one, Mississippi State is great. But number two, I, my hope is and my belief is you're going to have some level of continuity on the staff. And we're going to talk about that in the final segment of the show. But the reality of it is, is these are two very good players. Mississippi State, I think, will probably sign 27-28. Probably going to have to have a couple more guys leave post-spring. But things are shaping up. We needed to go out and attack the defensive secondary in the portal. We've done that. Probably need to go get a productive safety somewhere. You know, MJ Daniels was a name that a lot of people were familiar with. I would have supported getting MJ, but not as the only transfer safety. Because, again, very limited experience. And we need to get a plug-and-play guy. We need a Jackie Matthews type guy that's already got Power 5 production. MJ doesn't have that. I would have liked to have had MJ just because of the fact that um, – <clears throat> He would be my official visit host for every kid deciding between State and Ole Miss. Even if that's his only contribution, that would play in special teams that have been worth the scholarship money to me. Just because of the fact that you've got somebody that knows both sides of the coin. But not as the only safety. you got to have a guy that can come in. Well, I think MJ has potential. Now he's headed to Southern Miss and I wish him the best. We've got to have a headhunter back there that's going to be on the field and, and uh, you know, probably get you 50, 60 tackles a year. You need another Jackie Matthews type. And, of course, Jackie is uh, Jackie's going to enter the draft and expects to go through the ball game. And then, you know, kind of lost in all of the craziness with Coach Leach is the fact that Emmanuel Forbes did go through ball practice over the weekend. And the initial reports were that he wasn't going to play in the ball game. Which brings me to the final point of this segment. There were some people that even asked me, with all this hanging over our heads Sunday and Monday, they were like, Steve, should we even play the ball game? I said, absolutely, we should play the ball game. Because if things worked out as they did, I think our fans need this, our coaches need this, and our players certainly need it. What are you going to do, send them home? Then all of a sudden they're at the mercy of all these runners for other schools out here trying to get guys to go in the portal. All of a sudden you make them targets for tampering. But more importantly, I think they need each other. They need to be around each other as they deal with this significant loss. And you know how it is as a young person. You don't really know what life is about yet. And then something like this happens and it put things in perspective for you. So I think they need to be around each other as they navigate through their own grief rather than just going home. I think that would be the absolute wrong thing to do. I don't think there's any question about it. 
And I think this fan base needs a chance to honor Mike Leach. And Rhett Hobart tweeted out yesterday they're considering several opportunities and several options. And one of the things people are like, hey, we should wear black. Well, we are the visiting team, so we're going to wear white unless there's some agreement made. But as far as like getting these Mike Leach sweatshirt jersey type things, I'm told the logistics behind that are just too difficult. And somebody would say, well, you know, well, Steve, you could surely you can find somebody that'll make them for you. Adidas certainly, you know, if you pay extra, you should get it done. Yeah, I'm just told that it's so difficult to get all those jerseys made because they're all custom, right? They're all tailored. You've got names on the back and that sort of stuff. So I don't expect that. I do think that you're going to see maybe some different helmets. I think there'll also be some, uh, some swag for fans. And one of the things that some of our fans have suggested, and I support this, I think if you can find a Mike Leach shirt or you can find a Jolly Roger or you can find some pirate garb, wear it to the bowl game. Do something to celebrate Mike Leach. Because, listen, there are going to be a lot of people watching this game because of Mike Leach, because he is gone. They're going to be pulling for Mississippi State. They're going to be pulling for our players. This is a chance for us to kind of put our fan base on display and our program on display. And even though the reasons for that are negative, we can make a very positive uh, outcome. I think it's one of those things, too, you look at and say, what can we do to honor Mike Leach? And that's one of the reasons we have this top ten list today. But if you go into the ball game, let's get festive. I've read some other boards, too. I've got some other SEC fans that live in Florida that have said, I'm going to buy tickets and go to the game. So, again, I think you should go, too. But there are a lot of people that are locals down in the state of Florida that have maybe kind of stayed away. Um, as I just got a message from one of our football parents, is if you get any evidence of any poaching of our players, you let me know. <laughs> um, absolutely will. But – I don't think everything has to be university-led. You know what I'm saying? I don't think we should have to wait around for the university to say, okay, everybody wear an eye patch or everybody get a Jolly Roger shirt. You know, we can do this on our own. We can do things rather organically at the grassroots level. We shouldn't have to have a directive in order for that to happen. I think it's important to understand that you as an individual can make your own decision how you want to honor Mike Leach. Maybe you get some shirts printed. I don't know, but there are a lot of things that you can do and that we can do to honor the legacy of Mike Leach that without having a university-driven agenda. And that's not in any way to, to be critical of the university. I just don't think you have to wait around. So maybe go get on Amazon right now. Maybe go to one of these uh, Halloween costume sites, whatever they are, and uh, maybe order you some stuff. Maybe we just all wear big hoop earrings like Jody Watley or whatever. You know, there are plenty of things we can do. And I think that would be a wonderful thing. You know, people have their own little personal tributes uh, to Mike Leach. I know some people have suggested the Alumni Association should pass out stuff in the seats or whatever. I think it's a great idea. I just don't think we should rely on that. Because that's what will happen. Somebody will show up down there and do nothing. Well, we should have done this. Okay, well, let's take some personal responsibility and say, you know what? I'm going to do this. Even if nobody else does this, Mike Leach mattered to me. This team matters to me. I want to honor our coach. We're going to be at the Pirate Ship. What better setting for us to give a, a send-off to Mike Leach? Be wonderful. Maybe get you a plastic sword. I don't know if I'll let you bring it in. But there are many things that we can do. And so I encourage you 
to be a part of that. Now, final segment of the show brought to you by Portico. I told you guys before, if I was moving to Starkville now, I'd move to Portico. I would love to be that close to campus, just 1.1 miles away from the Mississippi State campus. That means more to me today than maybe it has before. You know, when I was on campus yesterday, I thought, man, there's no other place I'd rather be than right here on campus, just kind of healing a little bit. This is a place that brings me a lot of, a lot of peace, a lot of happiness. I'd love to be that close to campus. Maybe you would too. You turn off 82 on a 12, like going to campus, the very first ride is Pat Station Road. You go through that, and the four, four-way stop takes you to Portico. You can start with a two-bedroom, two-bath home and go all the way up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home. Whether it be your ballgame weekend retreat, your primary residence, or your future retirement home, they have a plan for you. Phase one's completely sold out. Phase two, under development now. Many of those homes are sold, but there's still room for you. There's still some lots available where you can pick out a lot and then have a say in your house plans because maybe you need a custom build. Maybe you want the big man cave. Maybe you want the bigger kitchen, right? Maybe you want several amenities that aren't just normally part of the plan. They can accommodate you with that. So reach out to our friend Brooks Bryan, 601-416-8075. Again, 601-416-8075 and make Portico your next move. All right, so where do we go from here? And that's the question, and I'll be honest with you, it almost feels disrespectful uh, to Mike Leach that, you know, it's just been, what, you know, 36 hours or so since he passed away, and we're already talking about the next step. But I do know this, that Coach Leach understands it's a business. Guys, we're a week away from the December signing period opening. And I thought about this at great length last night, and, and the first thing that I would say is we don't need to make an emotional decision. Absolutely don't need to make an emotional decision. But what concerns me is the timing. Guys, you got a week. We don't have an athletic director. That's not to say we can't hire a coach. Dr. Mark Keenum can handle that. You got an interim athletic director in Bracky Brett. We can work through a contract negotiation that meets both sides. You don't have to have a director of athletics to get that done. Not a full-time person. You don't. A lot of people are thinking, hey, we've got to hire an AD. And there's a lot of discussion this week that the interviews that were set for this week have been pushed back as Mississippi State kind of handles the business of of football and of Mike Leach. But you don't have to have an AD in place to hire a coach. You don't. Now, of course, you probably need to run it by your candidates and say, hey, this is what we plan to do. This is how we're going to structure things. If you're not no longer interested in the job, then let us know. Because these people knew coming in – that they weren't coming in to hire a football coach. It's not like there was a vacancy and they were already kind of doing their own due diligence to think, okay, if I get the job, this is who I would hire because the understanding and expectation was for Mike Leach to be your football coach for the foreseeable future. So they knew that they were going to be working with a coach they didn't hire. So that's not newsworthy, right? That's not going to change their perception of Mississippi State. So – A lot of people out there have talked about Zach Arnett. Now, I believe at some point Zach Arnett is going to be a head coach. Is now the time? You know, I don't know. There's a lot left for Zach to learn. Zach's just been a coordinator for three years. I love Zach Arnett. Zach Arnett loves Starkville. Zach Arnett loves Mississippi State. Zach Arnett loves Mike Leach. And if you let him leave, there's no guarantee you get him back. That's important to understand, too. The schedule sets up nicely for next year. And it's like, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, we need to conduct a national search. And then I consider the fact that we have uh, seven days. And you know as well as I do that the schools out there recruiting against Mississippi State are relentless. They're not going to stop. They're already 
get people out there now, rumors are they're tampering with our players. You know what they're going to tell them. Well, you don't, they don't even know who's going to be the coach there. You know, what if you sign and then all of a sudden, you know, the scheme doesn't fit you. Maybe if you don't like the coach, what if the coach doesn't like you? You should just come with us or maybe just wait and sign in February. So that's your immediate need. That is your absolute immediate need is to get this recruiting class put to bed, go win a ball game, get through the February signings. And I don't think there will be many. I think you'll get everybody put to bed um, in December with rare exception. But you know, you've got to be open for every bit of that. You have to be open and kind of understand that there are going to be some guys out there. And listen, that is a reasonable concern. You know, there could be somebody at Blue Mountain State say, you just need to wait this thing out. You just need to wait it out. And the kids are already concerned themselves, and somebody kind of reinforces that anxiety and apprehension. You could see some guys say, I'm just going to wait and sign in February. And they'll be on the parents and say, you know, listen, I think you'd be making a mistake. What if he gets down there and he's got to get in the portal? And that's always the that, – that's a two-edged sword, too, because we can always say, you know what, hey, we make a hire, you don't like it, get in the portal and go somewhere else – you know, post-spring or go next year, right? That's always part of it, too. But I think there are a lot of people out there that um, would absolutely support Zach Arnett getting the job. I got interrupted there, so you have to forgive me. But, um, but here's the deal. You know, I begin to think about, you know, my loyalty is to Mississippi State. And I think about, you know, what is best for Mississippi State. Well, I, I can't ignore the immediate needs of this program just thinking about three or four years down the road. We're a week away from signing day. We have college coaches out there reportedly working through third parties, and maybe the impetus on that is through the third party themselves looking to gain something from it. But we've got to stabilize the roster. We've got to get this signing class to bed. And I wish we could go out and conduct a national search, but how do you do that in a week without an athletic director? Because, I mean, what, what coach out there, what coaching candidate right now is like, yeah, I'll take the job. Who's my boss? Oh, we don't know. It complicates matters. It really does. Just like the players is like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to Mississippi State. Who's my coach? Oh, I don't know. And so you can make the move, while it, albeit risky, of promoting Zach Arnett. I know there is a lot of support within the fan base. I, I, I don't know if that's the right decision long-term. I don't, and that's just me being honest. I love Zach. I do. I think Zach would bring a, a real tough edge to our program. Is he polished enough right now? Probably not. He'll have to learn on the fly. You know, he's going from basically managing, uh, you know, his assistant coaches and GAs to having to manage an entire football program with only three years' experience as a coordinator. And I certainly think he's smart enough. I think he's capable. But it is a bit of a risk. It is. I think we all know that. And, again, we've got to make decisions for the right reasons. I wish we could conduct a national search, and then at the end of that search, if that ended up being Zach Arnett, great. But I think we're going to have to move quicker than that. I think we absolutely have to move quicker than that. That could be any day now. Any day. I wouldn't be surprised at all if we find out that uh, maybe we've come to terms with Zach Garnett and we announce it next week. I don't know. 
and again, that's that's not an educated guess. That's just kind of me offering an opinion as we brainstorm through this thing together. But it is a very complex issue. I do not envy Mark Keenum right now. Mark Keenum, a fabulous leader. I have a tremendous amount of confidence in him. Every interaction I have ever had with Dr. Mark Keenum has been very positive. He's very measured in what he does. Um, and again, not to be critical, I probably personally would have already wrapped up the AD search. And that's easy to say based on what we're dealing with now. But I probably would have already done it. I mean, you know, you know John's been gone now you know, since the week of the Auburn game. And I know you didn't want to rush the process, but with technology today and all this kind of stuff, uh, we could have had, you know, a round of interviews, right? We could have made a decision, especially if we end up having – we hired Jared Banco anyway because he appeared to be the leader in the clubhouse from the very beginning. But I think, too, when you look at the optics of what happened last time, you know, when John Cohen's name was leaked to the Clarion Ledger by a friend of the program, I think they wanted to protect the search and take their time to kind of work through this and really do an exhaustive search. And maybe we've been a little bit too deliberate with that. And, again, that's easy to say in hindsight based on what we've dealt with this week. We didn't expect to have to make a coaching change this year. And the thing that I worry about, too, is what's left in the talent pool that would be a good candidate for Mississippi State. You know, our talent pool has already kind of been rummaged through. You know, we're not going down the dirt cheap hoping to find something that doesn't have smoke on it, right? You know, we're a big boy program. We need to be able to get a big boy coach. But one of the things I go back to, and you get tired of hearing about this, when you look at our NIL war chest compared to our competitors, that's an impediment. It absolutely is. It is absolutely impediment. You say, well, you know what? I'm choosing between two jobs. The, the jobs are comparable. However, Mississippi State's got, I don't know, three, four million dollars in IL money. This school's got 10 million. Well, I think I'll go there. That's a part of the equation now. It used to not be a thing at all. But, you know, even when we hired Joe, you know, we had all this stuff going on. We hired Leach. You know, we had all this stuff going on. We didn't have NIL or transfer portal back then. But contrary to popular beliefs, even back then, Billy Napier didn't even have an interview with Mississippi State. And some other people will tell you differently. They're wrong. Did we have some preliminary discussions with his agent? Did John have a phone call with him? Absolutely. Did they ever have a, a sit-down? Billy wouldn't even meet with us. And other people would say, well, you know, I, I'm not going to get into it. I'm not going to get into it. There's so many people so invested in their lives. It's not important anymore. But when we have candidates like that from the G5 that are hesitant to take our job in the pre-NIL era, what do you think we're going to deal with now? And that's on us, right? You know, the university can't make the NIL war chest better. That, that, that responsibility falls to all of us and our businesses. And so the, what caliber of candidate is going to be out there for Mississippi State at this late date? Is there somebody that would take a job? Absolutely they would. But are we going to be able to keep them? Yeah, and the way that I look at it, too, if they come in here and they win for three or four years and leave and go somewhere else, that means we've had three or four good years, and probably we have replenished the NIL war chest and we've done a good job kind of building the program and there is excitement around the program. But there are a lot of people that's right now, I'm sitting here, you know, got a message that says, Arnett feels like a layup. We don't need to get cute. And maybe that's the direction that we go. I just wish we had more time. And, again, I'm not anti-Zach Arnett in any respect. I do think Zach Arnett is a brilliant person. 
and I do think that he is head coaching material. But he may have to become the head coach maybe a little bit before he's ready, and then you begin to think about next year. I mean, the, the season seems to set up for us perfect. So if you hire Arnett, you promote him from within, uh, does he go? Does he promote Matt Brock to D.C., and then you go hire a safeties coach? Who runs the offense? Do we continue to run the air raid? I mean, the pieces are here. Maybe he wants to be a little more balanced. Maybe he wants to be new generation air raid. I don't know. I don't know. But I know that they have done a good job convincing recruits that this is the place to be because we're still adding commitments. Chris Parson is out there being a leader and, and texting other recruits saying, hey, we are literally the last class that Mike Leach ever put together. You know, we owe it to him to stay together and kind of carry his vision forward. And so, again, there are just so many moving pieces to this. I think it's, you know, maybe the easiest thing to do is to call Zach Arnett's agent up and say, hey, let's get a deal done. And let's get this thing announced so we can get into signing day. And, again, you probably protect yourself, again, by not having some huge buyout, right? Maybe that's the way to go. You know, I'm going to support whoever, whatever we do. You know, and the thing I thought about, too, is like, you know, you, you look at Jared Banco, right? Well, Jared hired Helton, former USC coach at Georgia Southern. So is, does that become a package deal? Do you just say, okay, listen, we're going to bring in an offensive-minded head coach. Zach will make you the associate head coach, and we'll give you some more money, whatever. Is that an avenue that we pursue? Possibly. They clearly have a working relationship. But I just don't think we have the time to work through a talent pool of coaches that has pretty much been drained due to all of the jobs. Because, I mean, how many people, like, like you look at Georgia Tech. You know, they hired, they fired Jeff Collins, what, four games into the season? And they had to go get, get a seasoned offensive line coach to be the head coach. Not that he won't do a great job, he might. But the reality of it is, is that Georgia Tech, with their resources, they had all this time and then didn't make the splash higher. I mean, you look around our league, I mean, you know, you've got a lot of offensive-minded coaches. Maybe Zach Arnett would provide some different color. I, I admit to you I'm conflicted on it. I just wish we had more time. I just wish we had more time. And, again, if we had gone through you know, an exhaustive interview process and in maybe, you know, 30 days or so, and, and we arrived on the fact, hey, we believe Zach Arnett is a man to champion his program forward, I think everybody would feel a lot better about that. But I think under the circumstances, you're not afforded that opportunity. And maybe the way to go is to get a deal done, get it announced, get the signing class put to bed, settle the roster, fight off some of these idiots trying to uh, poach your players. And then in addition to that, go win a bowl game. And you may have heard Illinois' defensive coordinator uh, has accepted a head coaching job, will not coach a bowl game, nor, nor should you expect him to. He's got to put a recruiting class to bed. He didn't have time for all this stuff. He's moved on. Ryan Walters, he was a candidate for our job when he was at uh, Missouri. So a lot of moving parts to all this. And it's so easy to think back, okay, well, we've got this, we've got that. You can't sacrifice the recruiting class. You can't sacrifice the roster. That's the kind of stuff that puts you behind the eight ball for years at a time. There is no recruiting class that is worth a bad decision or a rush decision for a coach, though. It's important to understand, and this is what, a you know, top 30 type class. It's not like it's filled with four- and five-star guys that are ultimately just going to pick up and go somewhere else. 
But I do think the class is holding solid. Will we lose a guy or two? Possibly. Because, you know, the efforts to poach players is going to be relentless. Do we have a couple guys go in the portal? Possibly. And be prepared for that. Be prepared for that. This has been a very traumatic experience for all of them. You know, my hope is they're committed to each other and not just to a coach. They're committed to a place and a program, a fan base, and a university, a culture. And the way to probably keep them engaged is to continue that culture. Because all of a sudden, after everything that's happened, all of a sudden their position coaches are gone too. You're going to bring in people they don't have a relationship with. They're going to get the portal. They're going to decommit. They're going to sign with somebody else. And then all of a sudden you know, your talent level is diminished. And so what do you do then? And so I don't think making the wrong, the right decision here, um, excuse me, making a decision like that could prove to be the wrong decision with long-term consequences. And so I admit I'm on the fence about this. I am. But when I begin to think about the fact that we're going to ask 20-some-odd players to sit down next Wednesday and sign a piece of paper finalizing their recruitment, we need to be able to tell them who their head coach is going to be. That's probably job one. And so what do we do between now and next Wednesday to answer that question? What does Bracky Brad and Mark Keenum do? And the thing about it is, is if you go ahead and get that handled, let's say you promote Zach Arnett and get that done, you probably can take a little bit longer on the AD search. And again, I would have probably already had it done. Again, I don't know, you know, everything that's involved in all that. But, you know, again, with the gift of hindsight, that probably would have been the move. But I think you had the luxury of time knowing that you weren't expected to make a coaching change. But things have changed. And so as a result, our way of doing things has to change with them. We have to do, Bracky Brett and Mark Keenum have to do what is best for Mississippi State today. What happens today? Not necessarily what's going to happen in 2026. And I'm not saying you can't be forward thinking, but we have to take care of today's business today. We got to take care of next week's business now. This is not a situation that we can afford to wait. And so my question is, is how in the world do you put together a coaching search, go through an interview process, get candidates vetted out, and then get somebody hired in a week? And then give them the opportunity, of course, to talk to recruits. It just seems to me that would just cause more confusion and stress on a roster and a recruiting class that has had to endure a very traumatic experience here in the last week. But if I had to call it today, I think Zach Garnett's going to be your next head coach. And I'm going to encourage you to get behind that. I'm going to encourage you to get behind your players. And, again, I think you, you probably, you know, word and structure the contract where you can be in a good position that, hey, maybe if things go south, you can get out of it very inexpensively. But I think Zach could succeed. Now, he's going to need some help on kind of handling the day-to-day operations of the football program. It's not just about coaching football you got to have somebody to handle all the other stuff and all the support staff and, you know, who handles marketing, who's doing the graphics for social media. There's a lot to it. It's not just calling plays and and recruiting players. And so there's going to be a learning curve with every bit of that. And, again, he's a very young and energetic and brilliant guy. But I think based on the timing of Mike's untimely passing, I think Mississippi State in many respects has their backs against the wall and they have to make a decision – that handles things immediately. I don't think we have the luxury of time because we'll lose recruits, we'll lose a roster. 
And I'm not saying that Zach Arnett is not deserving. He certainly is. I do think that he is on the trajectory to be a head coach. But, you know, the future may be today. The future may be now. And I think that's important for our people to understand. I think Bracky Brett and Dr. Keenum have to move expediently and with purpose. And so be prepared for that, that possibility. Because I, just, I, I can promise you, if we go into next Wednesday and we don't have a head coach, we're going to have kids not sign. We're going to have kids maybe flip and go somewhere else. We're going to have kids delay it and wait and sign in February, and then all of a sudden it becomes an absolute dogfight down the stretch. And I'm not saying you have to be held hostage by a recruiting class, but the reality of it is you've got to be able to tell them what their future in maroon and white looks like with some level of confidence. And today we can't do that. I think that's important to understand. But I also think it's interesting that you're continuing to get commitments, which tells me there are some people on this staff that still expect to be here after the Reliant Quest Bowl. That's it for today. If you had not done so, go to dogpilethebook.com. You can order all my sports books there. You can get signed personalized copies of Dogpile, Flim Flam, Alpha Dogs, and Stark Villains. If you're looking for Bloomsville Leander, you can find it at Amazon.com at a reduced price, or you can get it to your local bookstore. And Stark Villains gear always, always available at StarkVillains.com. I love you all. I appreciate all your support this week, and uh, we will lean on each other and make it through this thing together. And as soon as we get details about a Leach Memorial Service, we'll share that with you. You'll probably hear about it before uh, we have a show, but we will reiterate that. And if it's at all possible for you to come, please uh, do so. But again, there are ways that you can honor and pay tribute to Mike Leach that are not university-led, and I encourage you to do that. Maybe we just start our own social media campaign, you know, maybe on Fridays or whatever, and, you know, Maybe we all dress up as pirates. I don't know. Maybe it's a pirate's life for us. Who knows? But I don't think we have to be given direction. I think we can act as individuals and do some amazing things, not only to support and honor Mike Leach's family, but to support and honor each other and show the world that Mississippi State is a united family. And we may not always agree, but we always want what's best for your Bulldogs. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.